Terry in the backfield. He gets the handoff. Tries the left side to the five. What is going on? Welcome to another segment of the Bills Yak Podcast. Hopefully you guys tuned into the offensive part of the segment that we talked about the Bills winning their first playoff game since 1995, defeating the Indianapolis Colts 27 to 24, and which was a barn burner and almost a heart attack for everybody. But uh, I'm your host, JT, and I got my co-host in the build, building with me, James Mallory, like to call it NFL pedigree, and Greg, the sports bully, voucher again. Guys, what's going on? What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? So, guys, I know we got to talk about the Bills' defense. We got the dub. But I know Greg was texting me throughout the game, like, listen, man, they're moving this ball a little bit too easily. Um, I know James is texting me, like, yo, where's Isaiah McKenzie? What are we doing? Um, we knew going against a, a veteran quarterback like, like Phillip Rivers um, was going to be uh, kind of tough, okay? It was, was never going to be easy. Um, we do know, realize that – we did realize that it would be similar to the Pittsburgh game where he's going to get the ball out quick. You're probably not going to get too many sacks on him. You're not going to uh, be able to generate too much pressure because he's getting the ball out of his hands before two and a half seconds, most plays. So Greg, what did you say? And what did you think? Well, I, I think first of all, you know, it's the playoffs. So everybody we're playing is good at something and good at most things. So I, I wasn't expecting a, an absolute stellar defensive showing. Um, but I was expecting uh, more pressure. You know, a lot of people came out there and said, you know, how good you know, the Colts offensive line is. And don't get me wrong, they, they got a great offensive line. But I was expecting more pressure either from the front four or Frazier dialing up pressure because we were allowing uh, Rivers just to sit back and pick us apart. And, yes, he was getting rid of the ball quickly, and I think that was part of their game plan was to, you know, sidestep our pressure by uh, getting these balls off quickly. But there were plenty of plays where we sent pressure and we were unable to get it and we were just getting stalemated in line of scrimmage. We weren't even able to, not at one point yesterday, to make Philip Rivers, 39-year-old old man Rivers, move from his step in, the, in that pocket, not one single time. I think that's a, a huge, scary moment as we go forward in the playoffs. Right. Yeah, I just I, – I get you, Greg. I know I'm with you with the defense a lot. Um I expected a little more pressure, but then again, I did understand that they would make a, a effort to make sure Phillip Rivers had a check down or some type of out because you could tell it's almost like he he's like a statue back there. That dude do not want to get hit. I mean, you can look at you can look in his eyes and he could be like, "Listen, I want no parts of these young boys, these young thoroughbreds. You got out here? No, I'm good. My job is is to distribute the rock." Um, what I did love about the defense yesterday, their run fits were on point. I'm a guy, you know, as a running back, when I look at the defense, I look at the defense and see, hey, where they run fits? Are? Where, where, where is the holes? Where is their seams? Them dudes were filling the gaps. Yeah, the tackling could have been a little bit better and wrapping up, and we did let a, you know, a yard or two after contact. But the run fits were on point. Earlier in the year, we were having problems with run fits where dudes just wasn't filling their gaps, and they was just, it was just boom, seems. That was not the case yesterday, and that was very encouraging for me, uh, to be honest with you, um, because they made an effort. They wanted to run the ball, and they made that known early. They wanted to be able to run the ball and keep Josh Allen off the field. 
Uh, I think the defense played solid. Yeah, where they're did the tight ends hurt us? Absolutely, they killed us. Um, but the receivers really didn't kill us as much. Um, besides Pittman with that uh, that screen that he turned into maybe thirty yards, I think we did a fairly good job with the receivers. And but the tight ends that that is a little concerning. We have to tighten that up asap. Yeah, it kind of seemed like it didn't matter what we did, zone or man-wise. It was almost felt like we were playing um, a mirror of ourselves yesterday a little bit in the passing game. I, I, I kind of got that where if we were a man, they were running crosses all across the field. Like, we've, we've killed teams all year doing that. And then, obviously, when we went to zone, he was follow, um, finding his uh, guys in, the, in, in between those zones and those gaps five, seven yards. Now, don't be wrong. It's not like he killed us with a, a, a ton of passing yards. I mean, what did he have, like three? He had over 300. But he only, it was on 47 passes. He only averaged 6.3 yards a pass um, per attempt uh, or per completion, I should say, by the end of that game. But I felt like as the game got on, got, got going on, we got definitely got stronger against the run. But the pass we were susceptible to. But I was kind of okay with it to the simple fact that when he started going to Doyle, and Mo Alley Cox, those were contested catches. And a lot of these balls were high pointed. So it's not like it was horrible coverage outside of Matt Milano, who I thought had an absolute horrible day. He looked out of place. He looked lost. He looked confused. He looked like a guy who actually has not been healthy most of the season, which is completely out of place in a big game. And did you guys uh, think that? What did you think, Greg? I know you're a big Matt Milano supporter here. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I mean, definitely. He he jumped off off the screen to me yesterday as a guy who was just missing tackles, dipping his head in when he was trying to fill, coming up with air. Uh, he seemed out of place in coverage. He was, you know, not where he, not what we expected from him. You know, being you know we thought coming back being healthy. And, and I'll tell you what, as I was looking at things, I miss me some AJ Klein. I, I really do. I, I think if you look back a couple weeks ago, when he was in the doghouse and the games he started playing. He, be, he became our best pass rusher. He was all over the field. He was making impact plays. And I almost feel like we kind of shot ourselves in the foot hoping for a healthy Matt Milano. I want some A.J. Klein going forward. Yeah, I was surprised that we didn't use A.J. Klein. I mean, we used him a lot the last few weeks, and he was very successful blitzing and just basically playing, hey, coming downhill and just getting after the ball carrier, getting after the ball. So I was really, really surprised at that. But, J.T., I agree with you, man. You talking that talk again. JT back at it, talking that talk. Man, listen, Milano had a rough game, man. Uh, he did. He had a rough game, I believe. I mean, he didn't play. It wasn't just horrendous, but he let up some plays and, and really, really surprised me. And I think that was kind of uncharacteristic of him, uh, but he did miss some tackles as well. So let's hope that he picks it up next game, but I expect to see A.J. Klein out there a little bit more next week. Two playoff games in a row, I think I've seen Matt Milano. I feel like the moment was way too big for him because he would go back to Houston last year as well. And maybe he, maybe, maybe he just doesn't have that in his DNA. Maybe he's just not a big game player. I, I don't know. But hella sure seems that way to me because he was lost. And what also kind of threw me off a bit about the A.J. Klein, because if you really look at the numbers, A.J. Klein was on the field for three snaps yesterday, and I don't know how many of those snaps were actually special teams, but that's 4% of the plays. That's for a guy who who's pretty much changed the physicality of this defense and going against a team that you know we're going to be a power run team. You knew Quentin Nelson, Brayton Smith, these guys, Ryan Kelly is going to be coming down the field at you and you need to be physical. That's shocking. 
absolutely shocking to see that guy play three uh, three uh, percent of snaps yesterday. Yeah, I, I definitely thought we were going to see more AJ Klein, especially with the power run game and, and the Colts game plan was going to was going early on was the pound. So I thought we would definitely see a, a more more AJ Klein on the field and in, in the situations. And, and he's he's leading the league in, or leading our team in sacks as well. So I mean, obviously he's not the athlete Milano is in, in terms of coverage and stuff like that. But I think just on pure effort alone, those last couple of games that he was out there he proved to me that he deserves to be on the field more reps and he's an impact player when he's out there, especially when you're going to tell me and show me how bad Matt Milano has been or, or was yesterday in his last playoff game. I said, maybe the spotlight is too big for him and maybe he gets into his own head and he's not playing the way Matt Milano can, but that's something that's got to get corrected sooner than later going forward. Cause if we're going to have Matt Milano out there missing tackles, important situations, you know, that's going to cost us a game. That might cost us a touchdown and keep us out of a game. They need to rectify that situation sooner than later. Yeah, I totally agree with you. That That's something that we have to address this week and be able to tighten things up with him and just figure out how we are going to use uh, A.J. Klein because we can't just have him on the bench wearing one of the, the, the sweet Bills coats to stay warm. We need that guy on the field making plays for us. I mean, because he's truly an asset. asset. He's been an asset for the last few weeks. I mean, the man was, what, player of the week? AFC player, defensive player of the week against uh, Seattle. It was. I mean, there's no reason for him not to be on the field more, and I think they will find a way to get him on the field. And, you know, because and once again, if the moment is too big for Matt Milano, we got to figure out ways to maybe package him in regards to, you know, maybe play 75% of the snaps instead of 100% of the snaps. We need to figure that out, and we need to address it quick. And once again, this is one reason why I feel Matt Milano will not be back next year because – that's just not something you're going to pay a linebacker where you, you get in these type of games uh, consistently and miss tackles consistently. So uh, he's a great player, but I still I think that's going to play into a reason why they're just not going to pay him. I mean, big players come up big. I mean, a lot of people expect Matt Delano to get big money. Well, I mean, I know I saw a lot of posts on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Matt Milano hurt his stock today. Not really, because there's going to be some idiot team out there that's going to pay the $12 million per year, okay? There's, there's always going to be the – as long as free agency is around the NFL, there's always going to be some idiot GM or some idiot coach or some idiot owner who thinks he'll be different on my team. I can make such and such into a great player. So, they'll, they'll, trust me, there will always be money to go around. But I thought he played bad. I, I didn't like the defensive rotation again. And I know Greg spoke, spoke about this um, a few weeks back about not letting guys get into rhythm. And that if you're paying guys to rush, why aren't they rushing? Well, if you really want to look at the past, uh, the percentages, Jerry Hughes plays 61, uh, plays 77% of snaps. Mario Addison plays 76% of, 76% of snaps. But then you drop down. Vernon Butler, 52%. Ed Oliver, who's a high first-round pick and should never at any point play 51% of the snaps in a game as high as he got drafted. Quentin Jefferson, 49%. And then A.J. Depanese at 28%. Justin Zimmer at 28%. And then Harrison Phillips, 23%. And Daryl Johnson at 19 That's too much rotating for a playoff game. And there's no – most of these guys had the week off last week as well. I, I, I Once again, I have to come back to Greg's initial point. If he was, but it's too much rotation. You're not letting these guys get in the rhythm. Greg, defensive line, they got no pressure on Phillip Rivers. Was most of it, you think, just because obviously he's getting the ball out quick or just just bad play? I, I think it's a combination of things. I, I think we went up against a, a very formidable offensive line who 
has protected Phil Rivers relatively well all season. And I think it's also that we just don't have those guys. You know, we were learning week in and week out that we just don't have a bona fide pass rusher, not on the interior, not on the outside, not coming off the edge from the second level. We just don't have that on our team. Um, you, you hope Frazier would some way somehow be able to draw up pressure and find a way to, to bring pressure from the different levels. But I think we we're seeing too many guys on the field and, I want to see our best four, whoever they may be, and for whatever situation. I think we're too quick to rotate guys in and out, in and out, in and out. And I'm all for spelling out a defensive line. And they were on the field. There were some drives put together yesterday. So I'm all for rotating those guys out and getting fresh legs in there. But that's not been our, our plan. Our plan, I don't know what it is. It seems three plays, they pull a guy in. Four plays, the guy makes a play to take him out. I don't know what's going on in the coaching room and what the carousel is and why it's going on. But I want my four best defensive linemen in the game, every situation. And that gives us our best chance to win. Yep. I totally agree. Um, well, I agree to a certain extent. Um, I, agree, I I like the rotation they had yesterday. I'm fine with those percentages. It's the only one I do have a problem with. Ed Oliver, his should be up around 70 as well. Uh, I want to know why his is only at 50, 51%. That's a problem for me. Ed Oliver, if you're not producing, that's a problem. Or if it's a coaching thing where they're just rotating people and they kind of got away from them. Ed Oliver needs to be on the field. I think he's a, a really good player. I think he needs to be on the field more than 51% of the snaps, in my opinion. Uh, Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes, I think those are, cl- are clearly our two best defensive ends at this moment. Um, but, you know, that we definitely we definitely ran into the best offensive line in the league. I mean, nobody can argue that they're not the best offensive line in the league. Even with, even with Anthony Costanzo out, um, they are – the best offensive line in the league. I mean, we can argue if not number one, they're number two. So, and then they have a, a, a older quarterback who one doesn't want to get hit and two <laughs> is a professional. He gets that ball out really, really quick. So it's a combination of that. So I think it'll, it'll change a little bit next week, depending on who we play. And I'm expecting that, uh, that pass rush to definitely improve. Well, I, I hope so. And I, I hopefully we welcome that a, a better pass. Rush. I wonder why we don't ever use Quentin Jefferson at the end spot a little bit. I, I just wonder why we don't push him out to the left end a little bit or the right end to bull rush the tackles because, you know, obviously Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes are both finesse guys. And I, I think at points in times, we don't wear tackles out. You know, even our rotation, we don't, we don't wear tackles out. And I think, obviously, you guys both play. I know, Greg, you're, you're offensive lineman and D-line by trade. You know, I'm surprised that we don't you put him on the edge and bull rush these tackles a little bit more during the game at times. See if we could collapse the pocket. I don't know if I think that's our scheme. I don't mm-hmm. think if, I don't know if that's Leslie Frazier and I don't think that's McDermott's scheme. Mm-hmm. Let's kind of look back in, at the history. Have they ever had big guys that just wear people out, wear people out? Look at AJ Epineza. They made him lose 20 pounds when he came in. Yeah. He's lost 20 pounds. That's just not what they do. Uh, they 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 want guys to be able to hold hold to hold their own, not just get pushed over. But I don't know if they 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 really use a big the big guy, the ram, the, uh, the ram, ram type of players running the people. That's not what they do, I believe. No, if you look at our personnel, I mean, we're considering other defensive lines around the league. I mean, Jerry Hughes is really an oversized linebacker. Uh, Ed Oliver is probably playing at about 280 yeah. right now. You know, we're not – I mean, Vernon Butler is a big kid, but he's not a bully. You know, he's more of a finesse, you know, one than, a, than a really a, a star Lutalele. And I think that's – I go back to that a lot. Is having Star opt out this year really, really hurt this defensive line in our production up front and our ability to get to the quarterback. Um, 
we don't have a speed pass rusher. They're just not out there. Mario Addison is not a speed pass rusher, and Jerry Hughes isn't either. I, I know that's what his game plan is, and that's what he's been, his DNA has been. But at this point in his career, Jerry Hughes isn't threatening anybody off the edge anymore. It's just not there. Um, and I, I think not having a star Lutulele eating up in the middle and allowing people to come in underneath him is really causing problems getting to the quarterback. Um, you know, I, I just – I haven't seen anything from anybody out there that, that's impressed me. It has me optimistic about the ability to get to a quarterback as this season goes on, and it's only going to get harder in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't think we have the speed guy, and that's why I've been saying for a while what we're going to draft first round is we're going to draft, draft a pop player, meaning uh, – uh, Lorenzo Alexander type of style where he can play in, he can play linebacker. He's just going to get to the quarterback. And we have that. We have the personnel and the ability to be able to do that. A, a tweener type of guy who can really get after the quarterback. Uh, but we don't really have that. I think we have guys who's going to be really disciplined. They're going to play really, really hard. They're not going to make mistakes. And they can win one-on-one -on -one matchups from time to time. But once again, a speed rusher, we just don't have that. But we have guys with the ability to really get after the quarterback. But speed rusher, nah, not on our roster. How do you guys feel we did against the run game yesterday? Because uh, obviously I know Jonathan Taylor, he got off to a pretty hot start. Um, I thought he cooled off around the second quarter right before halftime, and he never really got it going again. Obviously we know Naeem Himes gashed us a little bit um, in that, was it third or fourth quarter? He's about fourth quarter, right, when he was hitting those uh, kind of those deep runs. I think the reason he gashed us was because we were going to more of a – zone-based defense where we're expecting the pass. I think it's like seven, seven, eight minutes left down them by two scores, and they say, hey, got you. We're actually going to keep running still. Um, I thought we did a pretty good job against the run. Um, there was a couple of times where it took a lot of second and third effort from Taylor to manage some yards. And I think so. I forgot which one of you guys said it earlier, but we definitely could have tackled better. One play in particular, I think it was, was that fourth and one, fourth and two when they ran the ball late in the fourth quarter. And I think it was white. That wrapped up the, White had him. Yeah. He wrapped the legs, and as a linebacker, you have to make that cleanup play. And I think Edmonds, I don't know what Edmonds did. He came, he came he through the hole. His head. He fell and missed, or whatever he did. He just totally whiffed. And uh, I wanted to get you guys thoughts on that. So uh, obviously, you've seen the play. So you know what I'm talking about, James. What do you, what do you, what did you think about that particular play? Just a run game stuffing all together. That just, I think the run game. I think our run defense all together was was great. If you take away those those three runs where they gashed us. They didn't do nothing in the running game, really. I mean, I think they were they would be disappointed in their uh, results in the running game. So I think we did a fairly good job. But we do well, this week. We got have to put an emphasis on just tackling technique and just tackling, tackling. Just hitting, the, obviously not tackling each other. That's we're beyond that point now. We're just hitting dummies, just form tackling, and just you know get back to technique, get back to the fundamentals. I think that's what is is needed because right now it's just it wasn't great yesterday. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't. It wasn't where it needs to be. It was too many missed tackles. I think based on our personnel, it was as good as we can expect. Um, you know, they're, they're good up front. We keep saying it, how good they are up front, and they are. And Jonathan Taylor has really blossomed into one of the, one of the better running backs in the league. And I, I think considering our weaknesses stopping the run, I, I think we matched up pretty well. I think we, we stuffed them, you know, around the line of scrimmage. We were gang tackling and we're there. Obviously – it's going to be the thorn in our side a lot, our missed tackles between Milano and Edmonds. Um, I, I think they made more missed tackles than they made tackles yesterday. Um, and I, you know, that might be something we have to address in the off season going forward, but as it plays out right now, I think we keep realizing we are a bend and pray to God we don't break defense and that that's probably who we're going to be 
for the rest of the season, however long that may be. What did you guys think about the Micah Hyatt Hail Mary knockdown? I thought there was an emphasis on knocking down Hail Marys. And a lot of people, obviously, we go back to the DeAndre Hopkins. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of happy that uh, the Cardinals didn't make the playoffs. As much as I – and I don't want to go too far off topic, but as much as I love De, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, to me he's an arrogant ass. And uh, an arrogant ass who ain't never won nothing. On that, you know, I remember, he, you know, and obviously I, I don't want to sound like a fan when I'm saying, you know, when he um, talked about, you know, it's like a basketball and, you know, I could call for it and I just made a better play that didn't smile and laughed and joke. Well, you ain't never won nothing. Now you got traded to Desert, you ain't win nothing there either. Um, but congratulations on your non playoff berth there, DeAndre. But, <laughs> you know, I. I and, and there you was, don't sound bitter at all, man. You don't sound no, bitter at all. No, you know, JT I, has some heat coming from that. You know, I'm just saying, you know, I'm just saying, you know it's just he, he, he's always talking, but you ain't, you ain't never won nothing. And I, and I don't think he's a best, the best receiver in the game. I'll take Stefan Diggs over DeAndre Hopkins 10 times over. But um, I, I just wanted to talk about, you know, the Hail Mary because how it made an emphasis. Obviously, this is why I see sometimes. In life, in life, in football, in sports in general, it's good for bad things to happen to you early on for you to experience it. So when it comes up later, you're fully prepared. Um, don't forget, they allowed a second Hail Mary versus the Chargers. It wasn't for a touchdown. Boy, I think they learned their lesson, Greg. <laughs> I mean, we were real close to that, to that being a thing. You know, the Music City Miracle, the, the, the Norwood, you know, kick – that we were real close to that becoming a thing, you know, they, they call it the, 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 the hell Murray, you know, we almost had another name yesterday and that really would have been absolutely devastating to live with that all off season long. Had that gone, you know, the wrong way. I'm glad we played right. I think the team learned from that. And we were able to rectify that this season, you know, obviously we've we're in the playoffs, Arizona isn't, but you can't tell me as a football player that that secondary, that defense, that still doesn't eat at them that we allowed, a team to throw up a hell Mary at the end of a game had no business being there. And they came down with this miraculous catch that still bothers those dudes. So they were able to rectify that this season, not four or five seasons later to stop the hell Mary from ruining the season. So I'm glad they were able to do that and uh, they played it right. And I, I said, Bill's mafia, anybody watching that game wasn't breathing until that <laughs> ball hit the ground. And I, 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 I got up and I clapped and I, I hugged my kid and, it was, um, it was a great moment, and it felt great, not just because we got the W, but we, we did it and we rectified that, that Hail Mary, and it was done and over with. Micah Hyde did a great job. I'm glad I have him, man. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited, man. He was very disciplined, and that's, that's a learning experience where I got blasted a little bit by some people where I said at the Arizona game, once we lost, I said that's the best thing that happened to the Bills all season when we lost that game. It woke him up because I don't know how things would have happened, not to get too far on top of it, what would have really happened if we would have won that game? You know, that's the, a lesson that you wouldn't have learned. You know, you'd have took that for granted. Now, if you really look back at the tape, if Micah Hyde wouldn't have did that, look at the tape. T.Y. Hilton would have caught it. Look back at the tape. T.Y. Hilton would have caught that pass. And Micah Hyde jumped in, knocked it down. It's not a thing. Like you said, Greg, that would have been a thing. And, you know, thank God he was able to learn from the – it was a learning experience from that whole Arizona situation. And, hey – we got the dub, y'all. We got the dub. I don't think there's any one of us that would rather have had – I would trade the Hell Mary. I would rather have Arizona have theirs than the Colts had theirs yesterday. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. If I had a choice, I would rather have a regular season Hell Mary ruin a game that should have been a W than a postseason Hell Mary 
lose a playoff game any day of the week. I'll take that all day long. Yeah, you know, and you, you spoke on it becoming a thing. We see that thing become a psychological thing with a team like the Atlanta Falcons. After they blew that Super Bowl, every lead they blew, and I remember every team in the league blows leads, but it almost becomes like the media makes it a thing, and it's, it's psychologically and it, be, it becomes psychologically embedded into your mind where we've seen the Falcons blow like three leads and they're like, they're doing it again. They're doing it again. You know, it, it, it becomes that way. Um, we can go back to the Florida state Miami games back in the nineties where Florida every time and Florida state kicker, it was different kicker three years <laughs> apart. They kick yeah. a field goal. It, it's a thing. He missed it. it. You're right. It does. I mean, we, we, don't forget, we're a team that lost four consecutive Super Bowls. You know, I mean, <laughs> that, that's the biggest thing in sports history. You know, I mean, there's documentaries about that. So, I mean, that's, that's been, you know, on our, in our, our conscious and our psyche for, for a generation, man. So we, we've dealt with a lot of adversity as fans and this fan base has endured a lot of crap over the years. So we're, we just didn't, we're glad we didn't have one more thing to endure. I agree. I agree. So overall, um, I thought we did a. I thought I guess the pass, the coach pass the game. You know, like I said, I, Philip Rivers only averaged six point three yards per uh, completion yesterday. Uh, he's only twenty seven to forty six, three hundred nine, three hundred nine. Which obviously for the most one of the most accurate passers in the history of the NFL, um, that's a pretty good defensive day. Um, your leading receiver was Michael Pittman with five catches for 90. Then your second guy was Zach, was Jack Doyle for seven for 70. And we know that they went to him late. And I think he got that touchdown off that busted coverage. I don't know if it was either busted. I don't know who busted. I don't know if it was Trey White or it was Matt Milano. But obviously someone busted that coverage where, he, I mean, he would just – it was a lollipop. That was nice and easy. Um, and then your third leading receiver was Zach Pascoe for three for 37. So, like I said, the, the numbers show you – disparity in numbers show you – how good this pass defense was yesterday. And, and like James said earlier, Pittman had, out of his 90, thir- a third of that was on one screenplay. T.Y. Hilton, two catches, 32 yards. It seems like we took away the things that Philip Rivers is comfortable with doing. Yeah, yeah we did. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry about that. But no, right, I was yeah. saying, yeah, yeah we, I think we did a great job on that. So I wanted to say, I think we, uh, people aren't giving the pass defense enough credit, man. Philip Rivers, 50 Fifty percent passer. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, we we definitely bend bend a little bit. Um, it wasn't a complete breakdown in terms of the passing game. Um, you know, we're still searching for that that cornerback too, um, and that'll be an off season thing. But I, I like I, I like what they were doing out there a little bit. I think they did help us with some drops. There, there was a couple times and a couple key plays where I'm not sure if it was Hines out of the backfield or a couple of guys, they dropped some wide open passes and we were, we were out of coverage on those plays. So, I mean, that's football. That's going to happen. But, um, you know, I think we were able to rally to prevent some big plays from happening. And overall, I, I think Hyde and Poyer played great games back there. And, and, and White did as well. I mean, how good are tr- uh, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde? And just, just to speak of their versatility – alone and how we can match them up in man how we can blitz them how we just how lucky are we to just have two guys that can kind of do almost everything for our defense it doesn't matter what we're asking them to do I mean does I mean how much of a difference does that actually make I mean I think it makes all the difference especially that we, we talked about earlier that the real lack of playmakers on this defense 
you know, the lack of the pass rush, having guys that could come from the safety spot and fill in and, and play like linebackers in the box and, and make tackles around the line of scrimmage and blitz and, and cover the field in the deep thirds and stuff like that and cover back there. And, and the toolbox that the two of them have and, and the confidence that they're playing with and the camaraderie that they have back there, I think it speaks volumes. I think they're an absolutely gigantic part of where we are because we know we don't have, you know, the best defense in the world. And if we didn't have one or both of those guys back there, I don't think we're in the playoffs right now. Yeah. I want to look at uh, Bean and McDermott for this. Micah High was the first free agent we signed in that era. Correct? Am I correct about that? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. And we stole Jordan Poyer from Cleveland, who nobody even heard of him before we signed him. I know I didn't. And I follow. I'm an NFL junkie. I never heard of the guy. I'm just being honest. Uh, and to turn that, we turned that into the best safety tandem in the NFL. And I'm ready to argue that with anyone. And I'm a little, I'm sure and sweet with it. We have the best best safety tandem in the NFL. Them guys are smart, they're athletic, and they're flat out ballers. And chemistry back there is ridiculous. I don't people think people realize the chemistry that those two have. They don't have to say a word. To, to one another to know what the other one's doing or what they're going to do. That's just – that's priceless. And, oh, that's the best best safety tandem in the league. Best safety tandem in Bill's history also, period. Right. And you know what? Two converted cornerbacks. Yeah, two, converted, two converted cornerbacks. And I think that's the biggest difference here. And you normally you normally see your free safety sometimes as normal converted cornerback. But in this league, you don't see your strong safety in your free safety. And actually, they've talked about, I think, actually, I think, believe the first year they're here, I think Poyer played free and Micah played strong. I think they've been, in some games, they even switched them out where, they, you know, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice thing to have. It, it's very versatile. It makes the team very versatile. But overall, I mean, I thought, um, the defense played well, and let's, so let's get to you guys' grades and what we need to tweak for whomever our opponent is for divisional round. Greg, I'll start with you. Um, as a defensive lineman, it, it, it really it really burns me that we didn't get to the quarterback. And I know we were up against a, a good opponent with a veteran quarterback who's savvy and knows how to, how to put the ball out there quick. But um, I have to give it a C. Uh, I think there was way too many missed tackles. I think our lack of, you know, gang tackling and our inability to get to not even sack the quarterback, but to, to formulate any type of pressure whatsoever to move this man off his mark and force some errant throws. Um, it just wasn't there. So I think overall we did a great job come down to the, um, the Hail Mary that we, you know, the play that made it all. And even the, the, the Zach Pascal fumble that I don't care what you tell me, that was a fumble all day long. And, I am just glad that they didn't come back to haunt us because that, that would have been a thing this whole <laughs> off season. We would have been talking about the fumble or the, you know, the hand down there. But I mean, really, if you think about that there, which should have went our way, it should have been called correctly. That was making a play that was getting beat and the game was on the line and you made something happen. And, you know, Matt Milano didn't play particularly well all game long. Him and Poyer came in and they actually made a play and that, that would have saved the game there. But um, I'm still sticking to a C. I think there's a lot of room for improvement, I think, personnel-wise, in what Frazier needs to do coming up for next week um, to create pressure on his end and, and get these guys getting to the quarterback because I think that will make all the difference in the world going forward. Get A.J. Klein back on the field. James, what's yes, your please. Give me some A.J. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it a B-. minus. Uh, I love the fact that everybody was, were, was where they're supposed to be with run fits. 
there wasn't huge. Besides those those three big runs they had later in the game, you know how that is. Back gets the wall, trying to rush and score. Defense don't want to give up big plays, so you play a little bit, quote-unquote, a softer defense in that situation. So I'm fine with the run fence. We do have to tackle better. I mean, that's that's unexcusable. We have to tackle better. Uh, Greg, you're a defensive lineman. You know, just like I'm a running back, I'm a great. I'm always gonna grade them a little tougher. So I know you're gonna get on the D line a little tougher. So I'm gonna respect your mind with that one, and uh, and I'm gonna agree with you. We gotta get to the. We gotta get to quarterback. No, it's just, we have to get to the quarterback. Uh, so overall, I think it was a B minus. I think they played solid overall. When it was time to make a play, they did make a play. So I'll give them a B minus. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a C as well. Um, I I would have gave them a B, but I felt like late game we let Phillip Rivers just kind of just move the ball on our team with like Swiss cheese. Cause once we gave them that ball back with uh, eight minutes left in a two game and a two score lead, yeah. you, we, you, you need to put them to sleep. You got to put them to bed. I think we let, we ran down there and let them score in almost two minutes. You can't, you can't do that as a defense. You can't have busted coverages. You can't have missed tackles. At that point you have to lock up and lock down. Um, and I, I don't think we did a good job at that. I have to agree with the pass rush. We generated no pressure. I don't even know how many QB hurries we even, um, calls yesterday, you know, and yeah, zero was zero. that it? Zero. Okay, so and even that, and that's with that's was with blitzing, you know. Yeah. At the end of a game, there's no, there should be no reason with a two score lead that we should be having to blitz Teron Johnson or Jordan Poyer or Micah Hyde to generate pressure to stop this offense from moving the ball. So I, I have to say, I have to say, see, they're gonna have to figure out the personnel. And yes, I agree with you. For A.J. Klein to play only 4% of the snaps against a physical run team and a physical offensive line, I think you, you, you almost damaged yourself from the start. You almost damaged yourself from the start. You know, Matt Milano has not played a full-time game since, I mean, what was that, the Jets game? The second Jets game is when he got hurt? Yeah. I that believe. was it, right? He got, he got hurt fairly early in the year. It was the second Jets game, right, after interception. Maybe right. I believe you're right. I believe you're right, JT. It's for AJ Klein to be on the streak he's been in that physicality to pretty much change the face of our defense to not play. I think it's just disrespectful. I, think it's disrespectful. I, I, I agree with you 100%. I think, I think there's a role for the two of them. You know, Matt Milano doesn't do what AJ Klein does, and AJ Klein doesn't do what Matt Milano does. And I know it's tough to get out there and, and put personnel down and be predictive of, of what that offense is going to do playing and play out. But there should be packages, like James said earlier, packages for Milano to do his thing. There should be packages for A.J. Klein to do his. Mm-hmm. I think that puts our best 11 on the field. And, mm-hmm. and to have A.J. Klein on the sideline after some of the game, just when he was getting hot, mm-hmm. I mean, he really was getting hot. And to, to cool him off like that for Matt Milano, who's under underwhelmed since he came back, you know, I, I think it's time to make a move. In a game like that, playing against a team who's running two tight ends, I think there was packages, some packages for both of them to be in there. So I, I, I think we went small. And I, think we, I think we got a little lucky yesterday. I, I really do. And like you said, they, they did drop some balls. You got the fourth down ball we dropped, uh, that they dropped. Uh, Michael Pittman dropped in the end zone, or it was a little overthrown, whatever. Yep. Whichever way you want to you say it. I really had the blown coverages. Um, we missed some, a lot of tackles on second efforts by Jonathan Taylor. Those things have to be cleaned up. I felt like we looked like a defense coming off a of bye week yesterday. Yeah. That's what it looked like to me. So we have to clean those things up if we're going to go forward because 
obviously if the playoff schedule goes to according or the seeding goes accordingly, which you know probably never normally doesn't happen, like we'll probably be playing Pittsburgh. But even so, whether it's Pittsburgh, whether it's Baltimore, or whether it's um, Tennessee, you better wrap up and you can't have any misses. You're going to play against playoff proven quarterbacks next next week. You're going to play against good playoff running backs who've played in the playoffs next week. And two out of three teams are extremely physical. So yeah. <laughs> better get together, guys. I mean, hopefully, I think we bit out the bullet. And um, thankful that Frank Wright gifted Buffalo with another gift yesterday of just being overly aggressive on the offensive end and play calling. Yeah. Yeah, he was. And don't forget, JT, one thing we got fortunate with, too, the running backs dropped a few passes as well. Yeah. For the Colts. So, yeah, you're right. You got that. I mean, and a couple of things, like so when you look at a playoff game or just winning a game in general, the ball's got to bounce your way, you know, more times than not, especially in those close games. And, you know, the Colts gave us a couple of things, like you said, with the Pittman overthrow. If, that, if that's a catch, this is a different game. If Frank Wright doesn't elect oddly to go for two for no reason, which mathematically really didn't make any sense, you know, it's a different game. Um, so the Colts did their job to kind of help us. I and mean, we do what we had to do at the end. Um, but we can't, we can't afford to rely on a team to make those kind of either coaching mistakes or, you know, mental errors as the game goes on. Um, come come next week and you know like I said we, whoever we play next they're not the Jets we're, we're not playing the Jets anymore we, you know every team we face is going to be a bona fide you know 10 win team who's who's physical who's able to play and has got all the weapons that we need to, to address on defense so there's no cupcakes there's no easy walk into this thing so we get it right now or, or it's going to be let's talk about the offseason and the upcoming draft soon you know right and you know what at that point, any team that we play is going to be a team that has seen us either this year or last year. <laughs> so there's a yeah. level of familiarity with both teams on this side, no matter the rest of the way, it's familiarity there. So, uh, guys, this is another segment of uh, the Bills Jack podcast. Like I said, we're moving on to division around Bills Mafia. Be happy, be excited, but do not be content. We expect more. The team is saying one not done. Josh Allen is saying we expect a lot more. One's not good enough. Okay, well, hell, we're going to hold you to it. Well, I'm with you. So, uh, as your normal, my guys, James, NFL Pedigree Mallory, Greg, the sports bully Boucher. This is Bill Jack Podcast. Make sure you're following us on all um, social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we got pages on all that. Make sure you follow these guys on Twitter. Uh, and uh, we're going to be getting these pages out more and more as we go along, especially in the offseason. That's when we're going to, as, as Rex Ryan was going to say, we're going to win the offseason. You guys will see. So uh, as that was normal, thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you guys later. Go Bills. We out. The Buffalo Bills.
Buffalo Bills. Shut